Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me this week, my fabulous co-host, Stu Jackson, filling in for Rich Hammond. Stu, how are we doing? Jordan, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, great to be joining you on the podcast again. Uh, really enjoyed my my first appearance, and uh, you know, hopefully your listeners did too, and Excited to get the chance to uh, get everybody caught up on some of the sights and sounds and uh, observations from the first week of camp. Yeah, definitely heard some awesome feedback on your your guest appearance uh, a few months ago or a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. Time has no meaning this time of year. Um, but I do see how you played this, Stu. You, you, you tried to sneak this through. You played it to where... You got to skip all the uniform stuff. <laughs> oh. And then all of a sudden, here you are back on the show. Conveniently, Rich Hammond had to take back over on the uniform beat just for a hot second there. And then I see how this works. You guys think you and Rich think you're pulling the wool over my eyes, but I see what's going on here. <laughs> yep. You, uh, you, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're stoked to have you, Stu, because um, in part, not only are you great at what you do over at the Rams.com, but also... Um, you're out here with me. We're we're seeing all of this stuff happen in real time, and training camp officially kicked off for the Rams. We're looking at just about one week in. Um, report day was was last Tuesday. Already feels like a very very long time in football years ago. Um, but yeah, pads go on tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday late afternoon. And if you're listening to this, it's Monday, which means it's officially pads day, which is one of the most exciting days on the league calendar. I know they try to force back together Saturday into our brains at this point, but uh, I think pads day is the real one here that, that most people look forward to. And Sean certainly seemed pretty fired up about it. Didn't he? Yeah. I think that might've been my favorite quote of the press conference at the very end. A reporter says pads on Monday and he goes, damn right. So <laughs> you can, you can, you can obviously tell he's excited about it. And I think also, you know, from your and I's perspective, most of the workouts that we've seen or the training camp practices, I should say, that we've seen to this point resemble closely what we saw in the spring as far as the structure, not having pads and that kind of thing. And so when the pads come on, it's a little bit easier to evaluate and observe things like offensive and defensive line play, how the running backs look. Um you can get a better sense of even like some of the things between the wide receivers and the defensive backs too, I would add. And so um, because of all of that um, big reason for, I think, you know, everybody honestly to be excited, especially because it's also going to be a practice that's open to the fans as well. And they'll get a chance to see that too. Yeah. It's going to be exciting for a lot of, for a lot of those reasons. And and for us, you get to start to see what identities take shape the position battles that we're going to talk about here in a second that are already really exciting, get even more intense and even more exciting. Pads means the energy levels go up. It means the spiciness goes up. It means that, that you know, within the structure and rules of the CBA, of course, players are allowed to actually hit each other. And there's a certain point where, um, the, you know, that, aggress that aggressiveness, you, you use that within your techniques and you figure out, you know, what kind of identity you're going to have among a lot of these different position groups. And then that carries forward into joint practices. I think it's really smart that the Rams scheduled joint practices again this year. That just wasn't really something that was super effective for them last year. They really got one day before Aaron Donald uh, Armageddon happened <laughs> um, in Cincinnati last year. But, but those, those types of things are so productive because at a certain point, you know, we're all excited about pads going on, but then, it, it gets real old real quick, you know, hitting each other. And then all of a sudden now you, you want to go and you want to face someone else and just um, work in that sort of problem solving environment an arena where you're, you're not just kind of doing what, you know, the other guys are going to do. You're actually getting a little bit more competitive environments and it all starts that that escalation all starts on Monday. It all starts when the pads officially go on for the first time. Um, we have learned a lot though, from this first week, I think, um, you know, we've learned a lot about some of the position battles and some of the groups that are, are, um, starting to, to unfold and start some, some of the things that are starting to, well, you can already tell where things are going to get pretty intense in terms of determining, you know, in, in years past, this was such a top heavy roster, Stu, that 
now the position there's position competition or there's competition for spots and playing time at almost every position on the roster. At this point, it's certainly almost, if not all depth positions on this roster. Um, I want to get your thoughts. You know, we talked a little bit before this. I want to get your thoughts on one of your main position groups that you're watching right now, what you learned from that position position group through the first week of camp and what you hope and expect to see once the football starts getting a little bit more real this week. So I've been watching the secondary really closely, which I guess would be, you know, if you're looking at the roster on the website or on a piece of paper, you know, the defensive backs and that to me has probably been most intriguing, especially the cornerbacks, I would say. Um, you already knew that there was going to be a lot of snaps and playing time up for grabs with, you know, the departure of Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, they're really putting guys into the mix. I mean, as, as you know, that, you know, they're rotating quite a bit. Um, so, you know, you can't really make much of, you know, first team, second team, this, that, and the other, but, you know, they, Akel Witherspoon's a guy that I've been, you know, impressed with at least, you know, before he, you know, was, was, you know, momentarily absent because he underwent, um, thumb surgery, but they, you know, they're really putting all those guys out there and, and giving them every opportunity, whether it's drafted, whether it's, you know, one of the, you know, quote unquote veterans that they, they've signed at some point this off season. Um, you know, they're really mixing it up and, you know, really, you know, embodying, you know, the competition that Sean McVay's talked about. I mean, people will say it's, you know, coach, coach speak, but like, if you, if you, like, if you're a fan, you watch practice, you'll see it's not. And it's the, the truth. Like you said, like that one, especially I think is going to be really fascinating because, you know, Kobe Durant, he's, he said he's learning the star position and Raheem Morris mentioned him as being one of the candidates there. So what does that mean for the, you know, the rest of the, you know, the group, especially the cornerbacks. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that group pans out because when you get younger at that spot, especially um, it, it, you're, it puts, it puts quite a bit of pressure to on, you know, some of those guys to develop at least between their first and their second year with some of those guys who are, you know, taking on those bigger roles. Yeah, I agree. I, I've loved watching this group. Um, you know, it's funny. We always are sort of standing in the same areas, right? Because it's like after four years of at Rams camp, you kind of know when and where the exciting stuff's going to happen, you know? And so, um, you know, the, the interesting thing, and obviously before Akello hurt his thumb and Sean McVay said that he had a couple of screws put in, said it so casually, you know, a couple screws put in your thumb should be back soon. Uh, we know that some of these DBs can play with clubs and it's, I believe his left hand. So um, not, I guess the dominant like swat ball away hand. So I guess it's fine. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so when, before Akello came back, it was very clear the size difference between himself and the other corners on the roster. Um, they just have smaller framed corners. Uh, generally, that's kind of what they went for. And, and part of that, I think, you know, it's them looking for quickness and I think short area quickness. That was a huge issue for them and their coverage structures. Last year, we saw teams really found it very easy to get the quick game, quick game going against them and completely could, um, you know, neutralize some of the pressure that they were trying to get. You know, Aaron Donald was the fastest pass rusher in the league last year. Um, I just saw a metric put out by Pro Football Focus. It was like, or excuse me, the next gen stats that was quantifying the speed of the of getting you know of, of getting into your pass rush. And Aaron Donald was the fastest, but still the pressure the Rams pressure rate was near the last in the league. And part of it was because they need that balance between a fast pass rush, which we've seen them add speed at pass rush. Stu, we talked about this before, but also you need to blend that with quickness and short area quickness and particularly stuff underneath. So you could kind of see them correct in that way, but then, Oh, all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, we have no length at corner. Really? There's plenty of athleticism. Like Kobe Duran is a smaller framed corner, but I mean, he can really stretch out. He can really make plays on the ball. So I don't worry as much about him, but them adding a Kello is very clear. There's a steadiness there. You could really feel that in his first couple of days before he got hurt. Um, and there's length. There's plenty of length. And I mean, and, and and people, you know, I think people kind of undersold his quickness. He was keeping pace with Tutu Atwell and some of those deeper concepts I noticed, you know, early in the early in the week. And again, it's so early. So caveat here, which we we talk about all the time. Um, 
but I, I totally agree with you. It's been such a fun group to watch and, and the combinations and the balances. I mean, I think my, my opinion is I don't worry so much about the Kobe Durant role. I think we could probably lock him in. I mean, I'll probably eat my words at some point on one of these guys, but like we, I, I would feel pretty comfortable with him sealing a starting role if he continues to play at the level he is and emerging as a leader on this team as well in, in a variety of different ways. And that's whether it's at star or when he is kicked to the outside. But I don't think any of those other positions are determined. Um, and that's what's been interesting, nope. Stu, yeah, right, that you alluded to is like those those positions are all under competition right now. And there's also other things to consider in terms of types of coverage ability, coverage versatility. And then also, like I said, blending combinations of you can't have all guys under six feet <laughs> at corner. I mean, you could try. Good luck to you. But you do have to blend some of that size and length. You know, Kello has got that, like in spades. Right. But but also, Cam McCutcheon was somebody who I was kind of looking at, who had the length but not the experience, or maybe the you know the the he's not very known because he was a UDFA. But that's are, are you getting that sense too, where they're also finding different combinations of guys that could work with each other? Absolutely, because like you said, I mean, you you can't have an entire a secondary or at least uh, you know a bunch of cornerbacks out there especially you know in your base structure of guys who are all um under six foot and i think that also you know the the combinations you talked about reflects why they have so many of those guys i mean i don't know the count off the top of my head but um if you were to look at the roster or if you were to just observe a training camp practice it feels like they represent like that group to DBs that represents at least a third of the roster, the offseason roster, I should say, the 90 man roster. And so it's been really, really interesting to see, you know, the combinations that they've been, they've kind of been playing with, which obviously, obviously, because of the uh, media access policy, we cannot dive super deep into, right. but <laughs> um, yeah, but it is with, again, without getting into those uh, nitty gritty specifics. Um, they're going to, it's something that I think we can safely anticipate them continuing to do throughout training camp and probably even the preseason in some of those games. And obviously those joint practices down the road as well. Yeah. It's funny, Stu, that you bring that up just as a reminder to everyone, which we say this all the time. So uh, those of you who do know this by heart, um, feel free to like skip ahead 15 seconds or so in the podcast, but, um, yeah, we the credential, the rule to have credential access means that certain things are off limits to report, um, even when fans are in attendance and can see those things with their own eyes. Um, it's just the way that every team has a, a certain policy for credentialed media in place. But it is funny, you know, on on my remarkable notebook, I'll sit there. And I'll say, I'll make a note. I'll be like, it, it'll be like some sort of this week. It was some uh, safety linebacker rotation and and i put a giant circle with an x through it as a reminder do like, not no. share <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just you have to remind yourself sometimes but um go, going forward too on on position battles one that you and i know have been talking a lot about um left tackle and center i mean they're fi- they're trying to find the best five like we're gonna maybe say best four because i'm pretty sure rob havenstein's job is safe right i mean uh, you know we, you you hope everyone can stay healthy if you're the rams but all things equal, Rob Havenstein is where he is, right? At right tackle, holding it down and uh, a little more gray in the hair. But, you know, after last year, I'm sure everyone has a little more gray in their hair. Um, and and so it's interesting because, you know, I've been really, really impressed so far. Again, caveat, pads aren't on. There's no real football actually happening. I mean, it's real, but it's semi-real. And Okay, but in terms of the way that they move, the way that they've picked up the combinations they need to pick up, the way that they've um, gelled with each other, I've really been impressed with Steve Avila and Tremaine Ankrum at the guard spots. But left tackle and center are the really intriguing position battles that are going to seriously escalate, in my opinion, through the course of training camp. I talked to Alaric Jackson and Joe Noteboom both uh, individually this week and um, have a story in The Athletic. If you're listening to this, it is Monday. Check out theathletic.com. There's a story about all the ways the Rams are hoping to protect Matthew Stafford this year and, and how the entire season sort of depends on it. Uh, no big deal, no pressure, uh, no pun intended. But I think that, you know, it's, I did it, Stu. I got one in there. Aren't you proud? <laughs> There's one. I'll, I'll try to keep track. <laughs> Stu's keeping count. <laughs> um, 
but, but, um, those guys are both like super respectful of each other. They, they really admire each other, but they also are extremely aware what's at stake here. Um, what's going to be really interesting. And I, I know I can talk about that. This from an external perspective is they paid Joe no boom. So if, if you get to a point where you can't, you know, structurally, when you're talking about like a functional and, and savvy team build, your left or your swing tackle, your depth man, who's the swing tackle on the roster is probably not going to be one of the highest paid linemen. That's just not smart team building just doesn't work that way. But if Alec Jackson wins this job, that's what it will be because whoever is the odd man out of that job will probably be the swing tackle, the depth player. And so on a smart team build roster or one that pans out the way that you expected it to, when you made those deals, um, you know, you have the higher paid guys in the positions where they are being maximized in accordance with that contract. So it's not just the stakes aren't just high in terms of deciding who's going to play what the stakes are also kind of high in terms of there's also some money on the line here. And uh, Alaric, of course, is is really competing for this job. And what, what was interesting that he told me is that he's finally getting to spend all of his time at tackle. It's not whether it's left or right. Um, he's getting to spend all of his time at the position that he feels is his strength versus shifting back and forth between tackle guard, which takes an entire, you know, addition of a second playbook to your workload that you're already trying to learn. So I thought that was really important. And it clearly shows me that the Rams are truly letting this play out as a competition because they aren't experiment experimenting with Alaric played really well at guard, but they're not experimenting with him, throwing him all around the the offensive line, like they may have done in years past, they've seen where he has his strengths and his gifts. And, and, and in turn, you know, Joan Oakboom told me he's, he's feeling great. He's feeling healthy. Uh, Neil Elitrash, the same guy who did the, um, the internal bracing surgery on Cam Akers uh, and the torn Achilles, you know, um, he also did Joan Oakboom surgery. And Joe is, is really, I think a, a mentally tough person who understands what's at stake and also understands that the only the, the the thing he needs the most to do is be consistent, whether that's health or technique. And this this position battle is going to be really interesting to watch. And it also is going to be really interesting to watch what happens at center because Coleman Shelton played well at center. He's also a little bit larger framed than Brian Allen is. And the Rams, you know, Stu, you brought up this point the last time you were on the show. The Rams are getting larger, especially on the interior of the offensive line, whereas they'd often gravitated towards smaller builds, lighter, faster. Um, but in this regard, I think they're, they're, you know, they're obvious, quite clear with their lineups that they're rotating, that they've gotten larger on the interior. And so Coleman Shelton and Brian Allen, both who do have significant starting experience at the position, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because Coleman Shelton in a pinch can kick to guard. Um, and if he weren't competing at center, he would be competing for a guard spot, but instead he's mostly playing center and Brian Allen is competing with him um, for that center spot. Brian Allen doesn't necessarily play guard. So he would more so if he doesn't win the job would more so be in a reserve role. Whereas Coleman Shelton would probably still be on a game day active because he could kick in at guard in a pinch. So it's all a numbers game. It's a mathematical equation as we get down to really ascertaining what this roster is going to look like in some areas. But I think the silver lining, if you're the Rams, is that you're actually having this kind of discussion <laughs> instead of, oh, shit, who got hurt again kind of discussion um, and figuring out like who on the outside you can bring in in a pinch. Um, it's it's early yet, but right now, um, as things currently stand, this group is really competitive. They're learning a lot. Ryan Wendell is coaching them, I think, pretty well um, to hear those guys talk about him is awesome. And, and it's one of those things where, okay, now you've actually got some forward progress. You've got some, um, some, some functional competition at a position group that truly has had some question marks in previous years. Yeah, I agree. And I think what I'm fascinated to see is what difference that size on the interior, especially makes in the run game, because you know, as, as you obviously talked about, you know, your podcast series that recently came out, uh, the play callers and also, you know, McVay mentions it a lot in his press conference. You know, this is an offense that is predicated on the marriage of the run in the past. And it's a lot easier to do things as, as much as, you know, there was like 
I, th- I think you mentioned it on this on the podcast uh, or that series. You know, as as much as they like to, you know, do, have some of those concepts where, you know, they're having Stafford, you know, go, you know, it's empty, you know, out of the shotgun, things like that. You know, you still you still need a run game to rely on. You know, I, we saw that throughout last season. Um, you know, and even in the playoffs, as much as it you know feels like it's become a pass heavy league, and so it had me curious because you know I thought back to you know the 2018 season and and what Todd Gurley was able to accomplish, and you know you look at the interior of that offensive line. I mean, Roger Saffold at left left guard, yes, left guard. I was just double checking to make sure I had that right. Um, you know, he, he, he stood, he's listed at six, five, three twenty five on pro football reference. So, you know, when you have big guys like that and you have that size, I mean, we, we even saw it a little bit, I would, I think when, you know, even when Alaric was at, at guard and, and Coleman was at center, you know, what that did for the run game. And so, um, you know, as they, as they kind of experiment with those combinations and, you know, work with that size you know what does that do moving forward for something that you know i think you know mcveigh is trying to you know get reestablished. yeah and let's talk about running back here Stu, because um some surprising things <laughs> this week and yes. you know i'll think i think the world of and i know you think the world of sony michelle everyone in that building thinks the world of sony michelle but the retirement conversation was a complete surprise by everyone for everyone involved including um some of his teammates didn't even know um that day uh that he had had that conversation with sean mcbay so um take me through take take our listeners through i mean i say take me through but it's funny because we're like we stand in like the same area we're like we're standing right next to each other every day so take our listeners through kind of the running back situation still and obviously the rams made a move on sunday as well yeah, the the thing that you, I think you'll see or that you're seeing right now at, at running back is that again can't get into you know exact reps and I haven't even charted them anyway you know uh, during circle during practice. slash through it yeah circle yeah slash exactly it. <laughs> yeah all no. of those marks um, <laughs> y- you know they're 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 I'll say that they're I would say that they're consistently rotating and and giving opportunities um, to to all all the running backs. Um, and so, you know, what that means moving forward, I'm, I'm trying to remember how many they kept on the initial 53 man roster last I year. Four. I believe it was four, right? Because it was Cam and Daryl and then Kyron and Jake and Funk, Jake Funk. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they had, they had four last year and now with, and now with Royce getting Freeman getting added, so that's and that's the other big news is you know McVay was saying that you know they were likely going to add to the group with with Sony retiring and and this was you know one of those moves he said probably want to have at least five maybe six in in that group, um, but anyway knowing that they carried at least four in the initial three man fifty three man roster last year still to be determined what that looks like this year, um, and also just the the inexperience that. Um, you know, they carried into last year. You want to you want to get as many reps for those guys as possible, and have everyone prepared. Just because, again, on the initial fifty three last year, Cam and Daryl were the only guys who had NFL game experience. Obviously, because Jake and Kyron were both um, were both rookies. But uh, yeah, without again, without getting too far into you know who's been with which team and whatnot. Um, they're, they're preparing so that every, you know, every, they're making sure everybody is getting enough, ample enough reps is what I would say. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And, and like, I won't put you in a position to speculate, of course, but in, in terms of my perspective, you know, a big question I've gotten over the last couple of months is, about some of the veterans who either are currently available on the market uh, in terms of free agency or, um, you know, running backs who could potentially be tradable. Jonathan Taylor, obviously very vocal (laughs) about his situation. The whole running backs conversation in general has been so fascinating and so, um, so split in terms of where people stand, whether you're, if you're in a front office versus, you know, you're actually on the field. And um, it's, it's been interesting because when you look at 
what the Rams have done historically. Like, yes, they did pay Todd Gurley, but that in turn led to a shift in, in theory, essentially, where um, I don't think that they're going to be paying a running back again. And, you know, that's just the way that they've shifted their, their team building model. And so when you look at a player like Jonathan Taylor, who does has made it clear, you know, he does want a contract. And frankly, I'm not saying he shouldn't get one. I, I think everybody should get paid, expand the salary cap, hell, take the damn thing away, you know, <laughs> give everyone their money. That's what I say. However, if we're looking at it within the parameters of the current structure of the way that the league is built, um, you know, the Rams are very much one of those teams that they're looking at um, where certain things become inefficiencies or efficiencies. And you're looking at historically, they're taking running backs in the second round and later, and, and probably now third round and later. Um, and it, based on the way that the position has gone over the last couple of years, they're, they're drafting one, at least one and bringing one or more in undrafted free agency every single year and trying to maximize those players' abilities within a scheme. And that's something that that's a pattern that they've showed. So where I say, I say never say never generally with this team. And I still say that even in a year like this, it's very much setting up for 2024 and 2025. Um, I do want to pose the question to people who are asking me pretty constantly about, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt, you know, Chuck, any, any of these, these guys is, um, does that player, wh- how old is that player? First and foremost, what would be the resources spent to, first of all, acquire that player? Um, and, and think about that as juxtaposed within the Rams current model of how they operate with the position. And then also, does that player want a contract extension? Does that player want a new contract? What does that look like? Because the Rams won't, won't do both. Now, if you have a player who just wants to get the heck out of their current situation because things have become untenable with the team's owner, um, but they're not necessarily going to press the issue on an extension, they will try their hand at free agency. They just literally just want to get out. Yeah, sure. Talk about it. Definitely. Ask about it. Make the phone call. See what's going on. But this is not a team that is going to necessarily, I don't think, um, bring in a player who for sure is going to seek an extension with them because that's just not a position that they're going to, to devote a lot of resources in terms of finances to. Um, and on the, uh, you know, I think the, the last exception that even at the time they were split, which I've reported at the athletic that they were even split on internally was pushing to trade for Christian McCaffrey. And that was draft capital and financial capital that that was very much a split conversation within, um, the entirety of the organization in terms of, okay, is this a player who you're, how are you going to use this player? Is this a player who you're going to um, immediately be able to get a max return on that investment versus the the sort of um, production devaluation that we've seen at a certain point because of how much running backs do put themselves through um, physically. And so it's, it's a complicated conversation, but in simplest terms, like um, I, I always say never say never with this team. This one I think is a little, would be a little bit more far-fetched. And then you also think about, you know, how much if, if you're looking at this as um, yes, I do think the Rams at some point will want a lead back in terms of carries um, to emerge. Sometimes that will probably be situational if it's a team that um, a Kyron Williams type of player is better against those types of defensive structures. It could be Kyron Williams if it is a team that a Cam Akers is better against those types of structures, which I think Cam has showed he's uh, can be a just superb player when um, he's healthy, then it would be a Cam Akers. Obviously, these guys will be used in the passing game as well, that all of those touches and, and rep allocations will look different. It's going to be a fluid situation. Um, but but I do think, you know, when you talk about some of these other players who are out there, some of these higher profile players who are out there, are you willing to um put forth the resources into that player, understanding that you actually aren't planning on giving somebody one person 100% of the touches. I mean, on average, you know, the, the, the carry share between running backs has really broadened into committee approach over the last several years in, in the league as offenses have just shifted toward that. So it's, it's a really interesting conversation. We don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but um, I think it always is fair to like ask the questions and, and like see who's out there. And that's what the Rams pro scouting department is doing is constantly seeing kind of like who's out there and what, 
How does it fit with, how does he fit within our model? Does he fit within our system? Does he fit with our model? What do we think running it through coaches opinions and, and uh, GM opinion and front office financial opinion, all of those things are of course taking place, but um, yeah, Stu, it's uh, we're not going to stop talking about this position anytime soon because the Rams, I mean, you, you mentioned it and it's uh, in my, in my article as well. Like if they can't run the ball, uh, especially in a league that's now running the ball better than it has since 1920 or so, um, 1950, then uh, I think I think you're behind the curve for the first time in the Sean McVay era, you know? Yeah, well, and, and you need to be able to run the ball successfully because of the two high shells, right, that are, that are becoming prevalent as far as, yeah. yeah, the coverage structure and how that's creating light boxes. Um, you know, you need that threat of the run to be able to take advantage of those light boxes still. Um, you know, even if you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford who can recognize, you know, when the structure changes post snap, um, as far as the, you know, coverage umbrella and things like that. Um, again, you still need to be able to have, you know, the, that running back or those running backs who can, uh, and the offensive line to, you know, to create the, the lanes and take advantage of the, of that space. Um, that's, you know, again, uh, opened up from as a result of those light boxes that you see more and more of. Yeah. It's interesting too. running back and receiver three kind of philosophically go hand in hand to me in terms of theme, because the theme here is Rams getting back to what they started out being good at <laughs> back when Sean McVay first took over this team, um, which he's met. Haven't you noticed this too? He's mentioned 2017 and 18, like a lot, hasn't he? He, he really has. I mean, and not just in the sense of like, uh, you know, the the reps and the structure and approach that they've been taking uh, this spring and during training camp, but um, in many other ways, especially. Yeah, it's interesting. I think he's pulling back to some of his, his roots and fundamentals in a lot of ways, uh, which is good. You have to when you have this many rookies on your roster, you have to remember what it is that made you really good at coaching in the first place and go do those things. Um, but it's interesting because wide receiver three very much falls within that bucket, within that conversation, because this is an 11 personnel team until we breathe our last breath stew. This will probably be a dominant 11 personnel team. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's fine when it works, it really freaking works as, as we've seen. Uh, but that also means that you need to have a, a third receiver who doesn't have to necessarily sub in and out because of the types of things they want to do, the looks they want to present pre-snap, the illusion of complexity, meaning any one of these guys could do any number of things out of these formations, these condensed concepts, these types of looks that we're showing you. They could do anything. They could block. They could uh, be the deep threat here. They could be the mid-range. They could be the the screen guy. They could go in motion. They could do some of these sweeps that we've seen all the, all the time over the last several years, all, all of the same guys out of very, very simple pre-snap looks that are doing a lot of different versatile things after the snap. That is definitely something that this team has always done, even when the pre-snap look changed, they've always done this, um, is, is um, you know, want to do that heavy 11 personnel. Otherwise, other, other than in case of specific emergencies, break glass to 12 personnel that they've done over the years. But this is an 11 personnel team, and um, it is interesting because that wide receiver three, um, you know, between Robert Woods injuries and then the trade and then Odell Beckham injury and then him moving on, um, they, this team has not found a consistent third receiver. And that's another thing that's emerging is who that guy is going to be and will that change or evolve as the season continues to to change and evolve? I think the answer to the second question is, is yes, because I think that at a certain point, you do have to adjust. Teams will figure, you know, figure, figure out what you're doing and you have to be able to insert other people in different positions as needed. Um, but in the short term, you know, I would say that the people competing for that third receiver three job um, are inclusive to Tutu Atwell, who, um, has been really, I mean, like it's, it, it's not just, it, it's let it, in previous years, maybe we could say it's a little smoke, right. Trying to justify a draft pick this year. It is not this year. People, I mean, and, and, and you know what, he's really worked hard. He's really worked at it and he deserves the praise because this year the people are, are not necessarily exaggeratedly going out of their way to praise Tutu. Well, it's very, it's much more natural in terms of the work he's put in 
um, how he's shown that he wants to be willing and able to contribute to anything that they ask him to do, um, the, the studying, all of those things. But alongside him, it, it's certainly not decided yet, right? And alongside Tutu Atwell in, in contention for that wide receiver three job is Ben Skoranek, who does have experience, who is a versatile player. Um, we see him, again, circle with the X cross throat. We see him doing all kinds of stuff at practice. And um, as, as we've seen, you know, out there in public on tape in previous years. Um, and, and then also Puka, Puka Nakua, who has just really been impressive um, carrying forward that heavy mental, heavy physical workload he took in spring OTAs. It's it's very clear. I mean, he's being tested to the point where his workload was so heavy uh, on Thursday that he had cramp. He got he started cramping and had to leave the field. That's how many reps he's getting. So uh, you know, you're looking at Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson as one and two, and then one of those three guys as as three. And then right now, I really like Demarcus Robinson as a four because he's a vertical presence. Who's very steady. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Josh Reynoldsy kind of, you know, longer build, um, someone who definitely could burn downfield, but who also is just very smart to the catch point. Um, and then, you know, you have a lot of other, other people who are trying to like sort of shake out underneath. And I know, um, you know, this is just an, this is just opinion as of now, we'll obviously see things take shape, but Stu, what do you think about the competition there? Um, particularly within the understanding of what it is the Rams are trying to accomplish with their passing game. Yeah, I think that they're giving. To me, what what stands out is is uh, like I've mentioned, kind of with some other positions. You know, they're giving all these guys a workload in practice to see see what they got and really see you know who can who can handle that because. I think you mentioned this in one of your articles or maybe a previous podcast episode, but a light bulb kind of went off where I was thinking, you know, because of that workload, I think part of me, you know, thinks that's intentional because, you know, if you're, if you're trying to run tempo and after having to kind of switch between, you know, two, two and Ben at times last year and, and, you know, do some of those no no huddle things, it's, uh, I think you said it was like more inefficient, right? If you're having, yeah, to just... you can't be subbing. Yeah. And cause it's exactly. a tell, it's a tell too. You're telling people what you're going to do situationally if you sub. Yeah. Right. And so the best way to counter that, which, you know, again, it makes sense now, now I think about it is making sure that, you know, you, again, you have those, those guys competing for that role so that, you know, you don't have to, I mean, you probably will still sub, but you don't have to do it as much. And the other thing I would say too about Demarcus is I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, not only does he he give you all the attributes and things that you talked about, but that's also, you know, another veteran presence you had, you have, or well, the, I should say that you know didn't necessarily, you know, have whether due to injury or otherwise last year. And so, you know, obviously, Skronik and Tutu both have you know more experience under their belt from last season, but it would be very beneficial, obviously, if you can have someone like as experienced as Demarcus holding that, holding down that fourth spot or filling that fourth receiver role. Yeah, and doesn't isn't it so interesting, Stu? Because this is a new coaching staff in so many ways, but they're starting from the ground floor in so many ways. Like even through this, some of the intentional. Like it's not just going out there and saying, all right, let's run around on the fields. All like that's what practice. No, there's some things that are so intentional that have been changed and altered this year that like you see it in what, you know, one thing that you and I talked about yesterday, or excuse me, on, um, gosh, what day is it? Oh, that was my favorite moment from the McVeigh presser, by the way, where he was like, he, he looked at me and he's like, what day is it? And I had no idea. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it all, right. It all, all just runs together at this point. <laughs> it's like, I have no idea what day. I think it was yeah. Saturday. Yeah. But, but you and I, talked about this. <laughs> you and I talked about this with, with Stetson, um, uh, because it's very clear that Stetson Bennett is like really shaking off some of the college game and getting into NFL language and those types of things. Um, to me, this is like a theory that I have. No one will probably confirm it because why would they? But like, it seems like so intentional that Stetson is getting so much work with Tyler Johnson and with Demarcus Robinson, because those two guys are so steady and so consistent 
and they could play anywhere and do their job. And it's like basically like a known target to reach. If you're Stetson, it's like that comfort that, that like, okay, I can get into a rhythm because this guy's helping me. I mean, you saw that with the incredible play um, that DeMarcus made over the top of Trey Tomlinson, the throw was not on target. I mean, it was a great throw because it was out of structure and Stetson was like building and making things happen and had the confidence to do that, but it was not on target. And so DeMarcus adjusts in the biggest way, right? (laughs) Adjusts to go over the top of the DB to catch the ball. And that builds confidence. That means something that builds chemistry and energy. And it's really helpful when you have a quarterback who is so young and so inexperienced at that backup role, but you need to bring along quickly into that backup role um, to make sure that they're repping with consistent, steady receivers while not taking away from the work that Matthew Stafford also has to do with other receivers. So I think there's some intentionality here. Like, I don't want to give them too much credit, right? Because I'm still a skeptic at heart, but I'm also an optimist, right? So I think that there's some intentionality here. Um, I have one other example, but I know we talked about this that I know you, you've had some thoughts you've been marinating on in this regard as well about those types of little details, how things are different at practice. Um, I, I'm curious to hear what you, what you think. Yeah. I think the biggest one for me, since we're, while we're on the subject of, of quarterbacks or, you know, the, you know, the backups, I should say is the way that they're approaching those two, especially, and by those two, obviously, I mean Stetson and, and uh, Brett Rippon. Um, you know, in the past, when you had John Wolford and, and Bryce Perkins, you know, maybe you could structure your practice a different way as far as you know allocating reps and and whatnot. But they're with with Stetson and Brett, they're taking basically the same approach. Again, circle. Yeah. Cross out or whatever it is we've been I saying. Can, I can uh, say it. There's, there's, yeah. I, I won't, I won't put you in that position. I'll get the slap on the wrist, but they're splitting reps evenly. Like they're, they're each getting series with the twos. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, but it's, it's, so that, that's a little bit different. I think, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you might remember a little bit better than me, but I don't, I don't remember that being the case necessarily at all, all the time with, uh, with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins when they were on the roster. And so, you know, you, so you have, to, so that is one thing that's very different because now you have to, you have to make sure you get enough reps for the guy who has NFL experience, but is learning new receivers, which is the way that, you know, Mike LaFleur explained it in his press conference, um, his first press conference of training camp. But then you also have to be intentional about, Hey, we've also got this rookie who obviously we need to get him up to speed and, and get him the rest of necessary reps he needs. And so. That balance is something that I think to me has been the mo- one of the most noticeable differences and, and just kind of how they're going about that. Because again, when you had two quarterbacks who at least had some game experience or at least, you know, had been on the roster long enough to be familiar with the system, you know, you could, you know, take a, take a different approach with how you allocate reps. But, you know, now you're, you're obviously in a different situation with, you know, those backup roles being, you know, completely turned over. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, and it, it also, we have to always remember too, it's, it's about getting all the other players work too. So Brett Ripien knows the language, essentially not the same language, but the base of this offense. He's been in this system before or a cousin of this system before. And so he knows the basic points of it. So you, you're also, you need a guy who can, dole the ball out, right? Because you also have receivers who need practice and you have linemen who need practice and you have running backs who need practice. So you have to have consistency there too, along with um, balancing to develop uh, the guy that you drafted to be the backup quarterback. Um, what I One of the coolest details of camp to me so far was how they've switched it up on Aaron Donald in his 10th, was his 10th year They've switched it up on him. Now they warned him first. Like I made sure to ask, like, did they warn you about this? Did they just let you figure it out? But basically the way Aaron Donald can use practice because he is so elite is he can use it to troubleshoot his handwork, his techniques. Um, and the linemen are working on their language and they're working on the, the, the overall group, right? They're not necessarily thinking about Aaron Donald. I mean, you can't, avoid him and he's inevitable and he will destroy you. So like, okay, move on to the next thing. You got to just think about all the other stuff. Right. And so in that way, you know, Aaron in the past is getting a lot of work 
on his own stuff in those 11 on 11s because he's not facing necessarily game situationals. They're kind of just like, there's Aaron, he's going to kill us. Okay, you know, he's one on one because we have to get all these other guys work in their own individual one on ones, right? Well, right. individual matchups for him yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And this, so this year, the difference is um, they're actually like, we're going to speed up this entire process of not only onboarding the our our young offensive line. So Steve Avila, because of where Aaron often lines up, the tech, the technique that he often lines up, he's going against Steve Avila. Um, and so they're, they're sliding protections because that's what they would do in a game is slide protection, whether it's a double team or a triple team, they would slide it over, um, to wherever the elite pass rusher interior defender is. And so that's what they're doing live in practice as if they're working on an actual game or without pads, obviously right now, but as if they're repping in an actual game, which in turn forces Aaron Donald to problem solve on the fly. So not just working on his technique and his hands and those types of things, but actual problem solving, understanding how to re-manipulate space against those live action slides that he's seeing. And at the same time, teaches the other defensive linemen how to operate and how to play when Aaron Donald is occupying that kind of attention that he inevitably will occupy in game. So it's like this crisscross, crisscross, crisscross ripple effect that whoever thought of this, I would like to shake their hand because it's really cool to me. And I'm like clearly geeking out over this because it's a very simple decision. Not only does it require the buy-in from your future Hall of Fame defensive tackle to be willing to learn new things or to try new things in his 10th year, where frankly, if he said no to this, then they would probably give that some real thought and consideration. Like, ah, man, you know, this guy's done everything for us. Like, can we just make him happy? But instead, Aaron being willing to do that and to practice like that is super important. Um, and it also is so important, not just for the other uh, defensive linemen, but also the offensive line in determining this group's competitiveness and their readiness quicker in the offseason because of the way that they're, I mean, they're going to be doing this type of every, almost every team that they're going to play is going to have something where they're going to need to slide. You're not just going to be playing one-on-one against everybody the entire time. You're going to have to be working on that game theory in game, which that's the mental part of this is what they're testing these young linemen or these interior, these interior linemen um, on right now. And I think that's so important and it's so interesting. And it goes to show that like, even if you're starting at ground zero in so many ways, it's small, small details like this that can end up having, we don't know yet, but small details like this that can end up making such a huge impact down the line. No pun intended. Two. Two. <laughs> at least by my count. I got I don't two. Know. I, I, I think I've been paying close enough attention. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. And I think uh, the other like minor thing that I'll add to that too is, you know, it's something that, you know, to, I guess, to further illustrate the point of how on board, you know, Aaron Donald is with this. He said, you know, he kind of gave a, a grin, like, yeah, you know, they warned me and it kind of is what it is, but he's also in all, in all reality, like fine with it because kind of along the lines of what you mentioned, he, it's, it's going to prepare him for what he's going to end up facing in the regular season, which is basically what he said in his press conference the other day. And so rather than having to deal with that, maybe, in week one, now he's, you know, banking those reps and getting those reps against that slide protection in late July instead of, you know, mid-September. Yeah, it's not just going to be on the film that he's watching of the opponents. He's actually dealing with it in practice, which is a, is a slight twist on how they've been practicing before. Um, so this season is going to be full of like little revelations and little details like that. And we just bank them all, right, Stu? Because we don't know how any of this is going to turn out, right? We're just sort of floating in the breeze, you know? We don't know how any of this will go. It just, it could really go one of many ways this year. Um, but, you know, the fun along the way is is getting to have these conversations and, um, you know, getting to spot these little details and sort of see what they end up evolving into. Um, and, you know, I know I've kept you a long time, here today um what is the one thing you're most excited about for pads day on monday i think sticking with the theme of uh you know trench play that we probably spent a lot of i would imagine spent a lot of our conversation on just kind of mentally playing it back in my head you know it's like i said at the beginning you know i think that when the pads come on you know it's going to be 
the, the uh, again, in this setting, the, the truest measure of being able to evaluate, you know, offensive and defensive linemen, which again, when you think about what they're doing with Aaron Donald and also what they're doing to get the offensive linemen ready, um, that I think is going to be early on tell, pretty telling, um, or I guess I, I wouldn't say early on, but just as, as we observe more of those practices, you know, it'll, it'll tell us a lot about how the, how that process is going for, for both of those groups and, you know, where it's shaping up to go. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And also the run game, as we talked about watching how it continues to manifest itself. Um, it sounds like behind the scenes, it was like a truly massive collaborative, collaborative effort um, between coaches this year. And I think that's going to be really exciting to watch how that plays out. you got a, a bunch of different ideas in that room, you got a bunch of different people in those rooms. And I think that's going to be interesting. Again, this between this and all of the 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 overall theme of of uh is reestablishing a consistent run presence and how it goes hand in hand with keeping the quarterback upright and healthy and and multiple um these types of things will i think ultimately make or break the season um and with those sunny words <laughs> Stu, i know you got a lot of stuff go- coming out this week you can find Stu jackson obviously on twitter and and at, on threads right i think are you on threads yeah on threads i i, I need to be i didn't i mean i need to be more consistent about posting on there honestly i wish i had something like what is it wolf on the office wolf yeah <laughs> I, I, I honestly need, <laughs> yeah exactly I, I literally need something like that where i can just make one post i'm sure one of our social media people would know what it is uh but make one post and be able to post on multiple apps but need to be more consistent but yes long story short i am on threads i just need to post there more often yes and you can find him on the rams.com his byline front and center and then also you're going to be able to find him a little bit more on the 11 personnel podcast because again it's super awesome we you know we obviously love and think the world of rich hammond um who is on the hockey vertical now so schedules are a little bit different but also that means that rich is not a training camp um which you know that we want to make sure that we're getting you um all the sights and sounds that we could possibly can um without uh some trap door in our at our media center opening up swallowing us whole and we disappear and are never seen or heard from again because we've divulged too much information um but you guys it's hot out there if you're coming to rams camp make sure you say hi um make sure you're staying hydrated make sure you're staying caffeinated um we're gonna catch you guys next week and until then um hope everyone is as stoked about football being back as we are take care Mm -hmm.